0: Welcome back to another episode of The Speak Show, a podcast that's all about storytelling, the nuances of mental health and wellness, and for today's episode, the incredible world of cycling. I'm your host, Carter Machen. In this podcast, I believe that every story has the power to inspire, every struggle carries a lesson, and every journey, especially on two wheels, holds the potential for transformation. We're here to explore these stories, diving deep into the challenges people face, the resilience they summon, and the wisdom they gain along their path to personal growth. Today, we have an amazing guest. He's a man who followed his passion for cycling, and I'm talking about none other than Pat Casey, the co-owner of Peak State Fit, a bike fitting coaching and nutrition company alongside his wife, Heather. But Pat's journey into the world of bikes didn't follow the conventional path. In fact, he initially pursued med school. However, a sudden change of heart led him to embark on an incredible adventure, a cross-country bike ride that's nothing short of awe-inspiring. Pat's story is a testament to the notion that life's greatest adventures often lie just beyond the beaten path. He dropped out of college, traded in his textbooks for a bike, and hasn't looked back since. Today, he races professionally with Empire Cycling, and he shares his story into cycling, starting in St. Louis. But this episode is about more than just racing. We dive deep into the heart of the cycling community, exploring the mental health benefits of cycling, and the delicate balance between the love for the bike and the thief of joy in comparison. It's a conversation that will resonate with cyclists and non-cyclists alike. Thank you for being here, and now here's today's episode with Pat. Let's jump right into it. Uh, how the hell are
1: you? Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm really well. I uh, I'm loving this nice fall early uh early fall late summer here in salt lake man yeah, yeah the
0: chilly mornings it's not 85 degrees at seven o'clock
1: <laughs> and a little chilly in the evening too yeah, man like yeah. we did tne the other night and i was like
0: i'd be lying if i said i wasn't a little chilly like going down the mountain that coming yeah the way back that was my first tne and that was uh yeah it's as good as they say it.
1: yeah it's a big it was a good turnout with like it seemed like we had like between 60
0: and 80 people i feel like that's pretty regular like yeah it's always like a pretty good turnout it's a vibe yeah it's a it's a good time but i guess just uh paint the picture for us a little bit like where we're at yeah and uh yeah the show. yeah dude we're in our new space
1: In uh so um my company is called peak state fit i own it with my wife heather and we uh we just recently moved from like the previous six years we've been in a a old warehouse on the s line bike path like basically in the south side of sugar house in salt lake city okay and um you know it was a really cool space but we um we had some just you know challenges of not having a storefront we were sort of in this upstairs like loft like style apartment kind of vibe that Mm -hmm. you could have been in like you know midtown manhattan and um it was really rad once you got there but there were challenges of finding it okay so yeah we we just acquired this beautiful space on the corner of 1700 south and third east in salt lake and uh literally just on the corner in a in a pretty cool old 1500 square foot building that used to be a little grocery store um yeah right now we're sitting in our little uh cafe that's gonna be uh up and running in about four weeks at full steam um and then the majority of our services are our bike service and
0: bike fit so yeah this this shop's pretty awesome yeah y'all did a great job uh designing it it looks looks amazing stoked to see the final out here in the coffee shop yeah yeah we'll be doing a lot
1: out of here so you know and for the, all the people listening in Salt Lake, you know, keep an eye out for uh, for group rides and stuff through the fall, even from here, because it'll be a it'll be a good spot. The new meetup
0: sure. spot for group rides. Hell Is yeah! Be here?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you know it's the Saturday morning roll out coffee shop, uh, you know, thing. It's it's yeah. funny in Salt Lake. There's just nothing like this. There's nothing, no there's no concept that
0: has there's no the the that bike culture. It's finally starting to get here a little bit here in Utah. Mm-hmm. I think um but yeah like the coffee bike go hand in hand totally and yeah this is I mean the first of I know that's anything close to it
1: absolutely yeah yeah, I mean it's it's, and and it's funny to like you know anybody that spent time in Boulder like knows that anytime you hang out at Rafa Mm -hmm. down on Pearl Street is you know it's like you're gonna see the who's who of of like bike racers and cyclists and, uh-huh. and influencers <laughs> in the, in the world of cycling and yeah. Boulder And, um, yeah, I just feel like there's nothing that nothing that really fits that kind of cultural center slash. Yeah. Combines, mm-hmm. combines the love of coffee and bikes.
0: Yeah. So how long you've been in Utah?
1: We've been in Utah for about 10 years. Okay. So going on 10 years this year.
0: So have you kind of, how have you seen the that bike community kind of start to progress like other parts is that like catching up here in utah or i so
1: it's funny to be i, I had moved here from the southeast i grew up in st louis mm-hmm. and moved to the southeast united states i moved to alabama for about four years okay after college and um you know it's the i would say when i moved to utah the racing culture was much stronger than it was has been in the past few years but mm-hmm. um you know I think overall because we have such a robust industry presence here in in Utah okay. that the the bike like communities are are huge mm-hmm. and there's really like few degrees of separation between different types of riders and there's just so many people that ride bikes um but yeah it's it's interesting because the city's so spread out like mm-hmm. There's not as much of that like really combined uh, like paths crossing mm-hmm. of, of everybody on a regular, so um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting kind of an interesting city in that way, mm-hmm. but um, in terms of bike culture, I mean I think it's I think it's definitely here. it's yeah. just more of a an af- aspect of having uh, I don't
0: know a way to a way to integrate. Kind of the social friendship way. I like kind of hang out, not just like meet to throw a head ride, go yeah, home. or Yeah, totally. Do a ride, go home. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay. And so like, what was your kind of path into bikes and how did that start?
1: Yeah, I started riding bikes when I was sort of in grade school, just like as transportation. Mm-hmm. I got right, my group of friends that I was with were like, we rode everywhere. Um, just rode our hardtail 26 inch mountain bikes on yeah. the road you know, clipped in just like cargo shorts and with a backpack and like just having fun, just having fun rolling around everywhere. Um, there wasn't as much access to mountain bike mm-hmm. in St. Louis growing up. So like when we would go mountain biking, we would have to like, we would depend on like our parents or like okay. friends, older brothers and stuff to like drive us out to the state park so that we could go mm. ride trails. So we sort of like leaned on this whole like urban mountain biking vibe. <laughs> we were like rolling around like, hucking gaps and like jumping off curbs and yeah. you know wrecking our shit because we were riding up and down <laughs> stairs and um you know probably drove our parents crazy but it was ultimately what led me into like learning how to fix things and and getting really interested in mechanic work and ended up working at a shop starting when I was 15 I actually worked at an REI first cuz they were mm-hmm. they just didn't care about like age range okay. like I was close enough to 16 I guess and I could ride my bike to work so worked at REI for a little while and then I got a job at this really cool specialized concept store in St. Louis called Mesa Cycles. Um, and that was sort of where like the influence of like the racers became like at the forefront. I was like, okay. I want to do that. Like, uh-huh. it was like the, you know, dudes that would come in the shop were like, you know, tattooed, skinny. Yeah. Grunge dudes that like, <laughs> you know, were always riding around on like deep carbon wheels and it was just like this this super cool like center of, of yeah. like performance. People were just into it. Like there was a bike fit studio in there. Um there's a guy named Dave Breslin who had a blog that I read that mm. was like he was super he wrote he raced everything, mostly cross country mountain bike. And that was sort of what exposed me to racing. I joined a team called okay. Dogfish out of St. Louis. So it's sort of like this amateur, long standing amateur team. They've been around forever. Oh, nice. And um yeah, they just like sort of led me down this crazy path to where we are today. So it's fun to, it's fun to think about those things. Cause yeah, like the people in our lives that influence our direction, you know, it's all for me, it's, it's literally all been centered around bikes, which is funny to think like, we've just been sitting in here chatting. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. My bike, my life is so like cycling centric. It's, Hilarious, like, <laughs>
0: but it's you know I would It's opened done up so life. much for you throughout the years, and kind of just shaped. And the people you get to meet through it too. Like it's such a diverse group of people, because like, everyone just kind of like does their own thing, and then they all come in mm-hmm. and we ride bikes together. Yeah, it's a unifying. And theme. like what you get to talk about, and people you get to meet on the bike. Are like wow, like this is pretty cool. Like yep. community. Like you've got everybody out there. Totally. Like my group of friends. There's like. The investment bankers and like private equity guys and the doctors and <laughs> it's like such a awesome range of, uh, of people you get to meet totally uh, so did you start racing in yeah, St. I Louis raced a little bit of cross-country
1: mountain bike in St. Louis uh-huh. really didn't get into any road racing um, until after college okay um, so I took sort of a hiatus from like competition when I went to college and um, I went to school in Northeast Missouri and at the time was like so gung-ho focused on academics that mm-hmm. it was like the bike was really just a means of mental health and escape between, you know, stressful weeks of school. I yeah. was like a pre-med student, thought I wanted to go that path towards medicine. And um, I think when you're in it and you're surrounded by people who are in it, you sort of have the solidarity of like, yeah, we're all on this path together. We're going to, yeah. you know, we're going to go.
0: the steps, commit our lives to this,
1: like (laughs) this path. Uh Um, and we never really have a moment to like step back and be like, wow, what do I actually really enjoy doing? And it was funny to like ride the bike all through college in rural Missouri, just go for hours and hours and hours in one direction, never see another person. Those were the times that I was like probably the most well mentally, mental Mm -hmm. health wise. Well, and you know, it's like the only exercise that I really enjoyed doing, you know, and it's like, yeah, kind of play pickup soccer with my friends, but the bike was like you know time of solitude and be mm-hmm. able to like kind of reflect, and so you know I got out of school and like it's like leaned really heavy into the bike, just didn't know what I was doing, and yeah. um I got a job while I was doing a an unpaid internship. So I got a job at a shop in Montgomery, Alabama, like the only bike shop there <laughs> making like $7 an hour. Um, and incidentally met my wife working at that bike oh, shop because cool. she was just like a athlete yeah. coach that was working there for a discount on, okay. on bikes, which like yeah. most people would ride, you know, work a part-time job for minimum wage, at, you mm-hmm. know, while they have a real Life job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we working on the side, but yeah, it was um, definitely like uh, got back into racing then after after that, and it was sort of when I decided like I was diverting from that path towards continuing to go to school. I took that year off, and then I actually did a ride across the country to raise money for Partners in Health. Oh, sweet! And it's, um yeah, so like global health was sort of like my my focus, and then when those things crossed over, and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool, but then I realized. Man, I just
0: like I just I'd rather just ride my bike and not gonna go to school anymore. So kinda of how is that thought process like going pre med, like that's like a serious endeavor, like a very single mind focused to go that route. And so kinda of what was that thought process like leaving that and like leaving that almost almost sense of security in the fact of like, well this is the path, like this is what's gonna be and then the job's gonna come right after. So like kinda of how is that? Yeah, I think I realized that I
1: I probably wasn't as um school never really came that easily to me Mm -hmm. and i i'm not a one track mind i'm like a hundred track mind and i um have a really hard time just um i think being just a student um and if i was going to go into med school i knew that like that was that path was going to be really challenging if i wasn't able Mm -hmm. to just commit to that one role that one that one mindset the whole time and yeah um I had friends in Birmingham that were like, I had a friend who was a neurologist that was, you know, well, he is a neurologist now. He was in school then mm-hmm. and he managed to balance like racing and school. But I think the guy was just brilliant. You know, it's yeah, like some I of those some... people you're like, I don't know how you, <laughs> you do are on a high level right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, I just didn't have that kind of, I don't think I had the discipline mm-hmm. to do it full, full speed. So it really made, it was kind of serendipitous that it ended up becoming like, okay, you know, the the path sort of created itself where, mm-hmm. you know, bikes just were sec- just a, a safety blanket for me. And um, it wasn't really a conscious decision when I was like, oh, I'm going to become a bike racer. Yeah. It was more just like, I'm going to follow this thing that I really love to do. And wherever it takes me is where it takes me. I'm just going to stay sort of present in the moment of like, well, I'm enjoying this now. And why why do I have to worry about the future if, I'm enjoying my life in this present moment.
0: Yeah. Ah, huh. yeah, that's amazing. Um, so when you just started to think about riding across the country, kind of what was that? Cause that's a pretty big, <laughs> you know, it was funny because I, I, Endeavor I had bit. this sort of
1: like level of freedom at the time. Uh huh. I didn't have anything tying me to one location and have any belongings that like I, I was like, I literally threw all of my shit that I own in my, 98 forerunner and left it parked on the street in montgomery alabama (laughs) in this little area called cloverdale i Uh mean it was just like car wouldn't start when i got back from my trip like i was just you know (laughs) just (laughs) sort of had that yeah aspect of of like being young and dumb and didn't have anything that was like okay well i'm gonna like i I have to get back for this one thing or have you know so Mm -hmm. um yeah it was kind of freeing so Mm -hmm. Heather came with me when I left for that trip we went to San Francisco and basically spent a week there and hung out and um got ready for this ride and she flew back to Alabama and I took two months and pedaled across the U.S. and we ended up in Boston so we rode from San Francisco to Boston it was like a 4500 mile route um so did you go through the southern
0: states no we went north
1: so we were like sort of started the trip through Fairfield like kind of went north and the you know, San Francisco zone, and then went up through uh, went into Nevada, and then actually went through Utah. Um, ended up in Provo, met these awesome dudes at the Bike Collective in Provo, and they let us sleep at the Bike Collective. Oh, um, nice. They were all like into bike polo, um, and okay. like they were just like this fun group of like super hipster fixie ride, and I had no <laughs> idea about like Provo, BYU, yeah. Mormon, anything. Like it was, yeah. I was totally, in the city. had no yeah. idea, anything, aspects of Utah. And I like had the best memories from like that like <laughs> one day stint in, in freaking Provo. And yeah. I, it's funny because I haven't like, I've lived here now for almost 10 years and I haven't even, I've not, I've not spent much time yeah. in Provo or even tried to reconnect with any of those people. But um, yeah, and then we basically went like, dropped down into Colorado and then rolled up through Nebraska and then went basically like, like Northern Midwest States, like Nebraska, Iowa, um, kind of just meandered across. Mm -hmm. We didn't touch Kansas or Missouri, which was fine with me. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen those enough. Um, yeah. And then when we got to the East coast, it was crazy. You were like, you realize how much smaller the States are. Cause like you'd cross over like West Virginia and Pennsylvania, like felt like four times, you know, you're just yeah. like in and out of these States. Oh, and, okay. um, and then we actually threw a little bit of gravel and we rode the CNO canal from Philly to DC, okay. uh, which is this old, is that a rail trail system? It, it is sort of a rail trail system. Okay. Yeah. It goes, um, basically the canal was full of these like locks that they would mm. ship, uh, stuff yeah back and forth and um the locks are these big concrete structures they would fill with water to get things sort of upstream yeah um so seeing that old infrastructure was kind of neat just like you know seeing areas of the country that you'd never see other than being on a bike
0: yeah and the bike just offers like so much you get to see so much of a City or national park, wherever you're at, like a little bit more intimately. Like you're going slower, and then you're also experiencing it, like physically, just like crossing that, and you just get to see like so much. Yeah, you just like can... even around here when I ride around the city, like all the like the cool mur- like art murals you see, like all the cool shops you would never see if you were just like driving 40 miles an hour everywhere. Totally. Like it's such a cool way to experience any location. Absolutely, and it's so it's so much fun. You connect with your environment in such a more intimate way, mm-hmm. I, I and people it. too, and like stopping. Because I'm sure you probably met some wild people, not wild people, but also oh, you're yeah. just like, yeah, I'm riding across the country and they're like, what are you doing? Yep. Like- <laughs> yep. One of my favorite things was just to
1: like pop, especially when we were in the Midwest, just like popping into like these total dive bars in like rural towns mm-hmm. and sitting and having conversations with people yeah. and, you know, just connecting with humans and realizing how much more we have in common than You know you just set everything else aside and it's like at the very root of like who we are and what we're doing in the world like yeah it was it was really refreshing Uh I think especially as a cyclist you know you get kind of the short end of the stick when it comes to like being on the road like people don't interact with you in the same way as when you're sitting down with a beer or something so Yeah, yeah. um, yeah it was a cool way to interact with people and maybe even like I don't know change the perception
0: of like cyclists in rural places, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. So when you did that ride, had you already made the decision to like stop going the med route or were you still planning on like reentering that after this ride? Initially? Yes. I had been
1: accepted to university, of Alabama, Birmingham. Oh, okay. And I was like, basically was like called him from, uh, my best buddy's bedroom in, uh, Lafayette, Colorado, just outside of Boulder. Okay. Um, yeah, I was at my buddy Luke's house and um, sort of on that, you know, that was like my, my like recovery day stint I spent with him and his family. And um, we kind of had like a long conversation the night before and I just called the school and told them I wasn't going to come to school. <laughs> and they were like,
0: what, really? That's amazing. I'm like, yep. <laughs> so middle of the huge ride, you're just like, I already know. Yeah. Uh, wow. That is awesome. So kind of what was that jump into the unknown like? It was really freeing. I
1: think it was fun to be like, oh, like I actually don't know what I'm doing. And I I have a lot of like uh, excitement about not having this like clear-cut plan. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of anxiety about going back to school, you know. It was like kind of being this like it was an unknown as well, but, you know, uh, also a familiar like – Stressor in my life. That was yeah, like you know, I, it's. I think it's okay to not be like super stoked on being in school and like mm-hmm. you know we were chatting about like knowing that like I don't know knowing what you want to do at such an early age is like ridiculous. It's such a limiting. <laughs> oh, um, it's such a limiting thing for exploring what you can do when you're young, like yeah. what you can do with your body when you're
0: young, what you can do with your mind. And well, how. you just lack so much experience. Like I remember the stresses of leaving high school and like the early years of college, and everyone's like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm like, we're 19. Yeah. Like what do you mean? Like yeah. I don't have any life experience. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, traveling around and just like seeing stuff. and be Like, oh, like there might be other ways to go about doing this whole life thing and like having a good time. Yeah. Through it as well. Totally. Dude, life is way too short to not have
1: fun doing whatever it is you're doing, you know? And I think people will sustain a lot more suffering than is... I mean, I think challenges, discomfort, and suffering are all, like, kind of go along with growth. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's... And they're inevitable. Like, they're all going to happen. Totally. In some way or another. Right. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, I, I think what we choose to immerse ourselves in... Um, yeah, it should get you excited at least, you know, mm-hmm. get you out of bed in the morning. Um, and there's a lot of great people that are in these fields, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's important to have good people that are in those fields, but being honest about like what truly makes you, uh, like what makes your eyes light up and stuff, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Being able to listen to yourself as opposed to like everything else around you, yeah. you know, cause we have a lot of influence as young people, and figuring it For out. Sure. Figuring
0: it out is not. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. You know, it's yeah, like I, I think everybody is. Yeah, <laughs> growing up and kind of becoming an adult. Like oh, all those adults growing up, they didn't really have it figured it out, right? Either. Like, <laughs> it just never ends. Yep. Totally. <laughs> so you get done, you know, crossing the country and kind of what was, kind of finding that space into the bike world. Yeah dude. I was
1: like I, um, I had already committed to like moving to Birmingham, and so I met my wife in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. while well, we were married, obviously, we were still dating, but she like basically moved everything but my forerunner full of stuff yeah. to uh, this new apartment in an area called Five Points in Birmingham, and um, we got this great little condo, and then like, uh, I actually had already gotten a job at a shop there. Called Kahaba Cycles, and it was a great, like a great fit. It was a you know four-location family-owned store um, that I connected with the owner um, on the phone while I was on this trip, and um, yeah, basically moved moved back and and immediately started wrenching on bikes with, uh, with this awesome group of people at the shop. And so, yeah, kind of just jumped right back in and felt like home like immediately where I was just like, Oh yeah, this Mm -hmm. is, this is, this is it. This is where I want to be. Um, and yeah, we were there for a little over three years, um, in Birmingham. And that was when I really picked back up with, with bike racing and, you know, got really into the road and, um, sort of knew after that trip that like I wanted to pursue road racing and albeit late, you know, in mm-hmm. the game as like a 22 year old, you're still, you know, as like a yeah. cat three, I think at the time I was, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. like trying to figure out like where I fit in and I just kept racing, like just traveling around the Southeast to races. And, okay. um, by the time we left Birmingham, I was a one and, um, moved to Utah and uh connected with Mike Pratt who owns Canyon well was Canyon bicycles now is Hanger 15 oh, okay. and um I'd known about like their elite team um ended up making a connection through a friend that actually lived in St. Louis so we were we used the same shop in St. Louis and had all these mutual friends and he sort of introduced me to Mike and Mike picked me up for this elite team and um I spent the next two seasons riding for them, like did Redlands and Joe Martin and Gila and okay. sort of connected with all of these, you know, all of these people who are, a lot of them are still racing now, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. the Williams brothers and like those, like all of the, the people that like are probably still relevant in the sport were mm-hmm. relevant then too. Okay. And, um, it's, it's an interesting thing to like, look back on those, like it just freaking 10 years ago to like to now and see kind of where, yeah, where the racing world is in America. And, you know, while there's not as many stage races, um, I feel like the crit, the crit scene has sort of evolved from a lot of people that were like kind of gung ho Mm -hmm. towards like stage race, road race focus. And now they're all doing crits like Robin Carpenter's like full on crit squad. You know, it's kind of cool to kind of cool to see the, um, the combination of like these old talents that I really looked up to to now be in the field and like racing together still. Um,
0: so yeah, kind of a cool. Yeah, that's that's a ton of fun because there's not very many, there's no stage races anymore in the states, are there? There might be Bill Martin,
1: Gila, and Redlands still go on. Yeah, but like North Star Utah Grand Prix didn't didn't happen this past couple years. Yeah. yeah, Tour of Utah is gone. I never did Tour of Utah. Um, U.S. Pro Challenge is gone. Tour California is gone. So, yeah, all those those big ones that brought, like, a lot of attention to the sport here, like, from, like, the highest level. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it's unfortunate. They're bringing back some of it with, like, the Maryland Cycling Classic and trying to – I think they're trying to pull some of that interest back into the States. Mm -hmm. But it's – I think race promotion is a really –
0: thankless and challenging job to do yeah um, well, and like the culture of the sport if, like here in the states i don't feel like i'm I mean, obviously it's not as big as it is in europe totally and so yeah that racing culture for that here it's never really been as big is that would you say that versus um, like certain parts it's just been i think it's just a different flavor of it mm-hmm. um Because the crit and gravel scene now here is getting huge. Totally, yeah.
1: Um, And I think the access to crits and gravel are greater than, like, big road races. Like, road races are logistically challenging to put Mm -hmm. on. Um, I mean, there's still, I think there's a lot of states that do well at road races Mm -hmm. and stuff. But even here in Utah, you look at our calendar, and it's like, you know, a fraction of what it is used to be when i really started racing here um and i think that's probably tied to you know um just that it's gotten a lot more expensive you notice like location of those races are always in places that are like extremely rural and there probably are a lot fewer uh obstacles to to putting on those types of events yeah um being able to like you know shut down a road and like you know, the outskirts of Salt Lake city is a lot less likely than if you go like an hour further South and then you're in the middle of, you know, yeah, farmland. <laughs> yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of great courses here, um, uh-huh. that they've done historically that I think, um, it's a bummer that, you know, some of them don't exist anymore, but, um, but I can see why, you know, crits yeah. are crits are way more like the, they're better to watch. Too. Yeah. yeah watching road grace. Yeah. I mean, you don't really, totally yeah if you're gonna bring your family to a bike race like you bring them to a road race they are probably never gonna come again yeah but you bring them to a crit and they're gonna they're gonna be like marking their calendar for the next one because it was just such
0: a vibrant electric
1: yeah yeah i've I've brought some
0: friends to some crits and they have you know zero knowledge in bike racing like they just think of the guys in lycra like the old dudes (laughs) they see when they're driving they come to a crit race and it's like Oh my God. Like, this is intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a party. Totally. Like, it's so crazy, especially at events like Tulsa, for sure. Um, even the ones here, too. But, Did you come like, to Tulsa this uh-huh. year? Yeah, I was out oh, there. Oh, dude. Like, awesome. each course, like, Red Bull has a full block, like, blocked off, and it's a party. Like, yep. the music's so loud. <laughs> and, like, you're racing past that every lap, and like, yep. the barriers are just stacked with people, like, cowbells, people banging the barriers. Like, it's a rowdy it's a rowdy sport and I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm stoked. There's so much around it now and like media around it and like people coming out for it. Yeah. Cause like, as the photographer, like running around, I hear so many people and they have no idea what's happening and they're like asking people questions, but there's so many yep. out there just to watch. Yep. So it's super fun to like see that side. Totally the spectators.
1: I, um, I feel like as like riders, we don't get to experience the, the party side as mm-hmm. much um because usually by the time we're done it's like everything's kind of wrapping up you know mm-hmm. like there's people that'll hand you beers after the race but it's yeah. it's still like you know it's like all right show's over like we're going home <laughs> yeah. um and this year at Tulsa I got dropped from Crybaby Hill and I just had a weird I probably should have taken a lap I got caught in a in a little pile up on the hill like just like in the bubble and um ended up getting getting popped off and there was like 30 minutes left in the race and I just like rode up the backside of crybaby and I was on the hill and it was the craziest like frat party like rave (laughs) uh like there were people that were that were so beside themselves like yeah (laughs) like laying on the ground and I mean I was just like holy crap this is a full rager this is intense yeah and uh yeah kind of it was it was fun though to to sort of go to the other side of the tape for uh-huh. that last day i was like okay this is yeah. even if these people have no idea what's going on in the bike race like yeah. it, it's just it is such a huge event you know and and brings out so many different types of people that have no mm-hmm. like would otherwise not attend a bike race you oh, know but sure. it's such a big deal in tulsa and and tulsa is like i feel like the like the gold standard of like like American bike racing brought to life in this, like in this totally unlikely place. Yeah.
0: Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like it's such a strange place to have one of the biggest bike races in the country, but it's such and a the show out for it is crazy. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. The bike culture there is,
1: is really robust. And like, I have a friend that works for retool that I talk to all the time. And he, um, he moved from Boulder back to, to Tulsa because he's just got a ton of friends Mm -hmm. sort of in the industry there. And um, yeah, it's like a really um, well-established bike community there, Um, which is cool to, yeah. Cool to, to be like, yeah, all right. It's everywhere. You Mm -hmm. know, it's this unifying thing. Like we talked about, like it's there, you can go, you go to like towns and like college towns in rural Iowa and there's a great, bike scene There's, yeah. you know
0: you can always find a group ride like yeah pretty much
1: any city totally yeah there's somebody through. into it we were talking about it last night with a guy that like grew up in rural texas and he's like he's like yeah it's like while it's not the the main thing that people do there's a community of people that like literally do every discipline of of racing if they're in into endurance they like they'll be like we're going to do this gravel ride this weekend. And the next weekend we're racing the local Olympic triathlon. <laughs> and the next weekend we're going to do this mountain bike race and it's all the same people, Yeah, but it's like, you just do everything. but it's there the bike, and it yeah. exists and it's super, you know, it's, it's healthy. Like it's a, it's a cool
0: thing that, yeah, you can, you can kind of go anywhere and, and find it. Yeah, that's for sure. And so kind of how is, uh, like the team here, like how's that experience been? And it's been a trip. We have a really
1: unique um, model, I think, for a for an elite team where we're all based here in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have eight guys, and um, you know, a few of these guys I've raced with for a long time. A few just for the last couple years. Okay. Um, but you know, most of the, most elite teams, even when I was on the Canyon bicycle Shimano team, like we were still somewhat spread out. Like, you know, there were guys and I, I raced with a guy that lived in South Carolina, uh, Southern California, Seattle, Walla Walla, um, and Oh, and bend Oregon. Like they were just sort of, we were kind of all scattered yeah. and we wouldn't really get to like train together, race together unless we were at this big national mm-hmm. event. And like, how are you that's gonna... still
0: pretty common? Right. It's still super yeah. common. Yeah, Just most like of these elite around, teams. The Aviators Legion and the Blazers like everybody. Yeah, scattered. Totally scattered. Totally. Like. Totally.
1: <laughs> and granted like a lot of those teams you get to like race together a lot because they have a bigger budget, you know. So you're in, you're going to like uh-huh. speed week together. You yeah, doing yeah. like these big like blocks of racing. You get to like practice a lead out mm-hmm. and work on like working together. Um, you know, lower budget teams just don't have as many races on the calendar, so you don't get yeah. to practice as much, but you know, we had the luxury of being like able to ride together a couple times well, yeah, a yeah, I week. think
0: that'd be like the, the whole thing of it. Cause I was surprised to learn how a lot of those teams don't live around each other. I'm like, yeah, you don't train together like 80% right. of the year. Totally. And they're like, no, my God, it's kind of, it'd be kind of a bummer <laughs> <It> <laughs> a is little bit. Of, like, totally. It'd be nice to just be with the team all the time. Yeah. So that's cool that everyone here with you guys is salt base salt lake yep salt through the valley yeah and
1: i think the most important thing about racing for me is just like spending time with people that i enjoy being around so it's yeah like it's a it's cool to be able to train and race together but then also just being able to like i don't know, i think when you're connected with your teammates you have this additional layer of of like respect trust um like Passion for doing what you're doing and like that you're all in it together kind of thing yeah um so yeah it's kind of a fun aspect of like being local being local to to Mm -hmm. salt lake and then you know having the support when we do have races here um is kind of incredible like to be the local the local team doing salt lake crit like being off the front Mm -hmm. is like a totally
0: different experience than anywhere else in the country that's amazing yeah so what's uh yeah, What are some other things that's been like super fun with the team? Kind of that process because how long have y'all been around? And
1: yeah, so we formed the team really early last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, started in 2022, it's 2023 right now, right? Yeah, so yeah, we started the team in the early 22. <laughs> um, sort of formed this out of like uh, out of the idea that we we're really lacking, uh, a local elite presence. Um, and that, you know, we had this really amazing, robust, like community of, uh, of companies that were here and that nobody really had like, uh, put in place anything like Hangar 15 was mm-hmm. back in the day. And so, cause that was like, the local team
0: back then. Yeah. yeah. Hanger 15s was the elite.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so we, and then Intermountain as well. And, um, you know, it's funny to like see some of the people that have come through these programs and like done really, really well mm-hmm. on the national international stages. Um, like Sepp Road rode for Intermountain back oh. in the day. A lot of people don't no, know yeah, that. I did not. know. Um, that. But he like won the Gila Monster stage at Tour of the Gila for Intermountain and like, you know, had this great mm-hmm. domestic like career before you went yeah. went into the world tour um but yeah i mean like utah bike racing used to be just this powerhouse like okay. incubator of
0: a lot of good guys of high level it. riders
1: okay. and then you know once like those teams kind of disappeared so you didn't really have the same level of talent identification like people don't and like we have we have a handful of people that are you know doing really big things like Anders is, you know, racing national level track events and Mm -hmm. going racing internationally for the, for the, you know, U.S. track program. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's not as many people on the road doing as much. So we were like, man, this is like an untapped thing. And all these NICA kids that are getting into like training and racing on the road. Like where are they going to go after high school? Like mm-hmm. what do they even know that crits exist? Do they yeah. know that this is like an opportunity that like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take much to get into crit racing. Yeah. Just get a bike and start finding local stuff, do the Tuesday night ride, do, you know, whatever, like, mm-hmm. but just getting these kids exposed to it. So I think that was really the, the, the driving force behind, trying to like form this team and create an incubator for talent um, and then just be able to showcase like yeah hey we're like we're in Salt Lake and we love racing crits too and mm-hmm. you know we, we deserve to be here just as much as everybody else and we yeah. want to be we want to be able to like create something that can sustain itself. Um, so yeah, we, we partnered with Ventum. Uh, who's been our bike sponsor and they've just been absolutely amazing to work with. They've, their, their products are fantastic. Um, I think it also is kind of cool to see like the appeal that um, that brand has, you know, created for itself um, being like a direct to consumer model and people realizing like, Oh, actually this is a, really nice bike and yeah. these guys are racing these bike you know mm-hmm. us and cs fellow are racing these bikes at yeah. the biggest races in the country and so um clearly it's a worthy bike mm-hmm. uh to be on and then envy composites uh came in with wheels and they've just been amazing to work with too rotor um america is actually based here in salt lake they're literally like a quarter mile away oh from i my shop. know they're based here yeah okay. and they've been awesome they're you know just a really high quality Mm-hmm. crank brand, um, that do power meters. And so they've, they've been amazing to work with too. And then, um, yeah. And then also of Switzerland is their North American headquarters is here in Salt Lake as okay. well. Um, so we've done a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of collaboration with them too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their, their desires aligned with ours where they're just trying to build that road community and okay. build that culture back in salt lake and be at the be at the epicenter of it Mm -hmm. and um they've invested in us in a big way to to help us you know help further our program but then also um yeah host rides from their shop oh cool do these speed club rides did you come to the speed club ride
0: i haven't last year okay so
1: the next one is october 28th it's a saturday okay and um I'll put details in the show notes or whatever right. for that because we haven't decided if we're going to leave from the downtown location, mm-hmm. um, which is 8th eighth, eighth East and 4th South ish. Um, or if we're going to add a little bit of gravel to it, we might roll from like the backcountry. Uh, store or backcountry HQ up in oh. Park City and then maybe do like some Jeremy Ranch Road oh, okay. or kind yeah, mix for it up. Yeah. Hennepin maybe. Route. That's a good route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we'll we'll keep everybody posted on that. But Okay. Yeah.
0: And so then in the back of the shop you do some bike fitting. So it's kind of bike fitting. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I Yeah, I guess just give an overview on the bike fits. Because people ask me uh, a lot of times like people getting into it from TikTok and Instagram, mm. I think it's really blowing up cycling. I think it's awesome. Like how many people reach out to me and I have zero knowledge. Cool. Of bikes and mechanics and stuff. <laughs> um, Yeah, so kind of the bike fitting process a little bit and kind of the importance of going through that. Kind of touch yeah. on that a little bit. Um,
1: yeah, so bike fitting is, uh, I would say, As much uh, performance-oriented thing as much as it is like an injury prevention and management and maintenance type of, you know, service. And we we do it as, you know, it's our full-time thing here. This is like my, you know, I... I, Mm -hmm work you know every all day every day in here doing fits which is um a super unique thing usually like when I was when I started out doing fits and shops it was like you know every you'd get a fit every every couple weeks mm-hmm. maybe a couple within a week but it wasn't like a you know revolving door of like yeah. people come in men for fit work um but I think we've set ourselves apart in a way that like you know people see that it's our number one focus and people come in from all over mm-hmm. to, to work with us on their position. Um, partially because I think we do, you know, a good job at sort of m- meeting people on a level that, you know, it's like very much like, uh, it's not necessarily a top down process. Like, Oh, I know, I know what you need. So, you know, yeah, let me talk at you. It's more like, all right, let's, let's just talk about, talk about your issues, talk about what mm-hmm. you're trying
0: to achieve. Um, cause it's not all just, being as zero and efficient and like aggressive, right? Like whatever their needs are as well. Yeah. Like it has to be to comfortable, al- sit up more and like all that
1: has to align with people's, yeah, their goals. Uh, but then also their, you know, biomechanical mm-hmm. availability of, of movement. And exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we really focus heavily on movement patterns. Um, that's sort of been the direction over the last 10 years that I think I've, learn the most has not necessarily been specific to fitting, but more so understanding biomechanics and compensations. And then also like the mechanisms that create muscle tension and pain and helping people get out of pain, I think is, is and and manage their pain and discomforts is, is as important to me as, you know, getting their saddle height, right? Like giving them the tools to not just, rely on me, but also understand like what's going on with their bodies, what's going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, how I think ultimately how like lifestyle and complacent adaptations, like things that we develop, like muscle shortening and lengthening around postures and movements that we do habitually, um, how those things impact when you go to ride your bike, when you go to run, when you go to do whatever it is you do outside mm-hmm. of like, you know, your nine to five. Um and, you know, once you can kind of meet people on that level, they they feel so empowered by that because mm. they no longer rely on the chiropractor every week to yeah. like reset their okay. neck. They can sort of understand like, all right, this is because of this, this and this and if I do these exercises it's gonna help me just feel better every day. Like I'll wake up in the morning and, and be ready to mm-hmm do whatever
0: it is I have time to do today. So is it a common issue in the industry? Just kind of the tight muscles that people get on the bike. And then it's hard to do the upkeep. It's like the tedious, like stretching. Totally. It's the stuff people don't like to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of one of the common ones is like a lot of short, like tight hip flexors and lower back. Do you see? Yeah. I would
1: say the, the over overall, like zooming out Mm -hmm. on most, humans, the external rotation of the hips, internal rotation of the shoulders, forward head carry, anterior rotation of your pelvis, sort of the, you know, the the common like postural things that you see people like with their feet kicked out. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of slouchy and, mm-hmm. you know, their, their mid back and upper back is really like kyphotic, like really forward curved, Yeah. Um, you know, and that a lot of it's from devices you know phones
0: yeah. computers
1: sitting at, Being a at a desk forever yeah, yeah. um and I going think home too straight with,
0: to the couch like it's always just yeah right it's great. like you're <laughs> always
1: in this like yeah degree of hip flexion and sitting on your glutes and hamstrings and you know your our expectations of those muscle groups when we get on the bike um like should be higher than it is, but yeah, we become pretty quad dominant Mm -hmm. because of those complacent adaptations. And then, you know, I would say like the more pervasive things that people experience are like low back pain and, you know, lower back compression. And, um, and then I think subsequently like knee pain and, you know, knee pain and then neck pain, just upper body, uh, compensations that, Mm -hmm. that people don't, you know, especially cyclists don't put as much weight into because it's, it's upper body. Like, what am I doing with my upper body when I'm riding a bike? And it turns out if you're, if you're stronger in your core and able to maintain good axial skeleton position, then, you know, you're going to, you're probably going to perform better because not only are your core muscles able to support you Mm -hmm. in space, but you know, you'll, you'll rely less on those muscles for breathing mechanics and all of the things that kind of keep our systems all working. Yeah,
0: out. I definitely uh, got pretty humbled. I did a gravel race up in Cody, Wyoming a couple of weeks ago. And then, yeah, I was like, man, my core, and my <laughs> triceps, like... <laughs> I'm not strong enough wrecked. on the muscles <laughs> outside of the legs. And I was like, I am so destroyed right now. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's crazy just the small things uh, they have to do off the bike to be comfortable and, and efficient on totally. it. It's a lot more than I thought it would be. Yeah.
1: but Yeah, yeah. And then, no, I mean, definitely different disciplines demand more of our bodies than others. So, yeah, we... <laughs> Um, I will harp on like people that are doing I, I would say triathlon is a really demanding one too because like we do a ton of triathlon mm-hmm. related fits um, I mean I think the, the tri position itself can be like complex in its own way but then also like um, you're trying to balance muscle recruitment and promote the best environment so that yeah. you can get off and run a marathon for people yeah. that do long course triathlon so um, those people will buy into the you know the program of like okay you really do need to do this stuff like you're you're embarking on a huge event you're asking a lot of your body like you can't really cut the corners totally totally yeah so yeah the core core stability um and and just promoting a better environment for for your body is like Definitely, the importance gets higher the the longer you go, and the more mm-hmm. the more variety of demands, terrain changes. You know, yeah, that you're gonna that you're gonna do in whatever event you're gonna.
0: Yeah, and the amount of core to stable like stabilize a bike and do all that. There's a lot of like micro muscles that you don't really think about totally. too often <laughs> <laughs> until they until you can't walk. You're yeah. like, oh God! Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, we were chatting a little bit before, kind of that that mental health side. Of the sport, and I feel like a lot of cyclists, most of the people I talk to on the bike, it seems like a common denominator for a lot of us. And so kind of what was your experience going through, whether it was that transition out of school and, like, taking that free route? Or like, even today, it kind of has the bike helped you in that space?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The It's the probably the one thing that I can rely on that is, you know – sort of change the course of my day whether i'm having a you know stressful day and and i just need to unplug or mm-hmm. you know I, I just want to go i think e- express myself in in a way that is not um intellectual or like completely is, separates me from the rest of the world and all the other yeah it's, noise that that we experience it's a big
0: disconnect
1: totally yeah yeah so no i mean it's I, I think it's always been it's always been that for me and mm-hmm. and probably always will be for me you know um yeah having uh having the opportunity to to ride and and connect with with everything around me you mm-hmm. know i'm um, yeah i'm i'm always empowered by by the bike and um you know i think that you're right it is a unifying theme like we're all we're all just trying to get through <laughs> the day and get through the the world with you know um, with positivity and kind of feel like we're making improvements. Um, sometimes it's it's hard to see like uh, everything in your life carry the same sort of trajectory, mm-hmm. and because a lot of things we don't have as much control over, and you know, within training specifically like yeah you have different ebbs and flows in training but like um like training for me is so um so much about just feeling like i have control over this one area of my life that nobody else nobody else can affect mm-hmm. you know and i i'm in the driver's seat and i can you know not in a type a kind of way but more just yeah. like that this is my time and this is my place that I can be who I want to be and Mm -hmm. you know who I choose to surround myself with while I'm on the bike is like that adds just adds to the experience of it like I don't you know socialize probably like normal people like you Mm -hmm. know we like our social time (laughs) is on the bike right like
0: pretty much (laughs) (laughs) so
1: I um yeah I kind of love the I am I'm a super social person um but, yeah, I don't go to the bar to socialize. I yeah. like to, you know, go Ger- rally ride, around with yeah. my friends and, and go get lost somewhere and, you know, drink a beer
0: after. It's, like, just that's what gets me out of bed for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great time. And as being that elite athlete uh, for so long, and a lot of thing I always go back to a lot on the bike is, like, comparison is the, the thief of joy. And I... I've struggled with it and like, I don't even race competitively at like any high level, but even a lot of people that are like, getting into it, are like, oh, well, like they're so strong, or, like you're strong and it's like this can be a spiral. So like, how have you balanced that relationship with the bike and keeping a healthy relationship with it not letting it get too um, competitive or having that comparison rob some of the joy?
1: Yeah, I think the probably for the racing end of things like I've had to like kind of reframe my expectations around like races being the measuring stick for my experience, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Um, and yeah, I th- I think that a lot of times too. Yeah. Like you said, the people, people can get deterred from going and jumping in on a group ride because they feel like that they're, they don't measure up or mm-hmm. something like that. And definitely is a limiting belief because there's always going to be, there's always going to be people to ride with. And I think the, the, the nice thing about the bike is that you can, um, you can maintain, uh, a greater amount of output than you can if you're like, running. So like the, the, it's more of an equalizer of a sport than, you know, a lot of other sports Mm -hmm. out there. Um, so yeah, I love to like get out and ride with people who think that they're too slow to ride with the group and just be like, that's actually like riding slow is riding, riding aerobic and you know, at whatever doesn't even matter what watts. Mm -hmm. just like we can ride and have a conversation. Yeah.
0: Like we can just enjoy this (laughs) bike ride. Like it's just a bike ride. Yeah.
1: At the end of the day, that's all we're doing. Totally. Totally. I, um, but yeah, I, I had a bad, I had like a really bad nationals one year Mm -hmm. where I was really fit and I had all these expectations. And I remember getting dropped from the road race and just being so demoralized. That you know, I had fallen short of every goal that I had. Like I wasn't wow. there at the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any. I didn't have anything in the tank to like give that yeah. day, and it was like it was really hard because it was just like I mean, I'm taking so much time to travel around and do this, and all the training time, like all the sacrifices. Yeah. yeah, and and we think everybody goes through it, right? Uh-huh. Like everybody gets their teeth kicked in. More often Probably than more than they, yeah, more <laughs> than they want to admit, you know? And it's like, um, I think that really put it in perspective for me. Cause I haven't had, even though I've gotten my ass kicked for sure, I haven't had the same level of like demoralized, like tail between my legs, like go home being like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Because as somebody that owns a business now, like it's my outlet to, to be like bike racer Pat and then, I always have this to come back to and it it doesn't, it's not like the only measuring stick that I have in my life. So I think that's like an important characteristic for me to like, you know, I think always just keep in perspective that like, yeah, this, we, we use this as an outlet and we get to do this. Mm -hmm. It's not something that like, um, should make us like second guess our, uh, abilities because you can always, you know, you can always find areas to improve. And, yeah. um, yeah, as soon as it start, as soon as it stops being fun, you have to reframe your focus around it. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, there was, there've been periods of time where the sport's not been fun, but you know, kind of taking a little hiatus from it and coming back to it. Now I'm like, I just feel like so privileged to get to, to get to train and race and do yeah. it at whatever level we get to do it at. Like, I think it's so important that we like maintain that, like, perspective of how fortunate anybody is to get to ride bikes mm-hmm. like um yeah it's just such a it's just such a unique way to experience the world and and if we ever let it limit us and our you know experience is ever taken away like i don't know it's a yeah. It's an important it's an important thing to like I think keep it in perspective, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh it's a very dynamic relationship that always needs a little reshaping, reframing sometimes, but yeah, it's a great great uh thing to have. Totally. Long time. But totally. I think that's a, a beautiful place to end it. Good o to, to the <laughs> bike and the relationship with it. Yeah, I do appreciate the time. It's dude, been thanks been, for been coming, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming. We'll Any do this Any big again. things on the calendar come oh, up this dude,
1: fall, next I, spring? Uh, I w- I'm doing that Wasatch all yeah. road race this coming weekend. It's be brutal. I, it's going to be so brutal. It? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 70 minutes of racing does not prepare you for like, what is it, 90 miles and like 10,000 yeah. feet of uh, yeah. elevation change. So uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to like get out and just like suffer have a, fun, a little bit. Have a fun day on yeah. the bike. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like underbiking a lot. So, you know, I feel like this is, I was texting with, so my coach is Jeff louder who, puts this race on okay and i was like jeff what am i doing what am i what bike am i gonna which bike should i ride like is (laughs) is it as bad as everybody says and he's like oh it's pretty pretty much 50 50 like you could ride a mountain bike or you could ride a gravel bike (laughs) and i'm like yeah all right i'm gonna ride the gravel bike because my hope is that if i can get up and over the climbs it'll turn into a road race and then i'll be like Set, but I got to race that Truman Glasgow guy, so I don't know if that's going to go so well for me. There's
0: some there's some hitters out there. <laughs> there are weekend. some hitters. <laughs> yeah,
1: Mark Spratt is racing, um, so we'll see how long I can hang, man. We'll see. We'll see how the uh, how the legs go after after All just right. just TNE priming. <laughs> that's the that's the magic, man. I think, uh, and then the the rest of the year just just riding for riding for vibes and having fun man Hell so yeah. yeah we'll uh we'll have to get out and pedal some gravel and yeah for sure do some do some mountain bikes do you have mountain bike
0: i just got a hardtail like two days ago oh so, sweet! ripped it yesterday down in alpine and it's a ton of fun cool yeah, let's uh let's excited. go ride some mountain bikes dude sweet, be sweet man yeah yep. appreciate awesome. it
1: enjoyed it